let me just first say uh, thank you for everyone, uh, to everyone that's here on this evening as we continue on in our study. Uh, this particular month, uh, just to reiterate what we've been doing, uh, we've kind of dubbed the month of August, August month of rest, and I've been preaching through the theme of Be Still on Sundays. So we have one more Sunday, uh, that is this coming Sunday, uh, and I'm, I'm intent on preaching through uh, for a little bit, just to finish up on the series, I pray, hope, and trust that the blessing has been, uh, the, 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 those messages have been a blessing to you while I've presented, as much as it's been a blessing to me, even in my study and preparation for it. Um, but on Wednesdays, we've taken the opportunity to look a little bit um, through the lens of the Sabbath, and we've been spending time just canvassing uh, the Old Testament, and last week we made our way a little bit into the New Testament, uh, really to see uh, where does Sabbath fit within the confines of New Testament Christianity. Is it something that uh, today is necessary? Is it something that today uh, we need to uphold and we need to keep in light of our belief system and traditions in the Christian faith? And uh, what I want to do on tonight is just start off with a, a brief, uh, as best as I can, this, this really is a, a summation of uh, the, the lesson that we did on last week. And we, I, I really wanted to highlight these three areas because I believe if, if you are here for the first time, it's going to give you a good scope as to what we covered last week. But if you were here last week, it's going to hopefully refresh your minds as to some of the things that we did discuss, all right? And so, uh, number one, I want us to recognize that the New Testament captures the tail end of the Mosaic Law and birth and spread of the church. Uh, really what we talked about last week as we begun our session, begun our class, was the fact that oftentimes when we look at the, the Bible, the, this thing that we hold that contained the, the 66 books, uh, generally speaking in our minds because we have the two major breaks in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, oftentimes when we approach a lot of uh, scripture or sometimes a lot of topics, uh, a lot of doctrinal uh, themes, etc. Uh, we, we tend to frame it simply within the confines of, well, this is seen in the Old Testament or uh, this is seen in the New Testament. And so as we've begun looking at Sabbath, I wanted us to be able to, to have a good idea of even though we're, we're looking at the Sabbath through the lens of what is associated as the New Testament, I wanted us to appreciate that uh, the Gospels particularly uh, speak to a time uh, that was the tail end of the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, and, and so really when we see the references over and over to Sabbath, obviously when Jesus is on the scene and Jesus is living and Jesus is teaching, he is operating in a time when the law of Moses or the old covenant was very much still in effect. Then that transitioned us into the book of Acts where we saw again several, uh, several instances of Sabbath being recognized, but uh, this time we, we, we noted that the, the times that we saw uh, Sabbath being referenced was, uh, you know, a, a bit different from when we see Sabbath being referenced in the gospel accounts. In the gospel accounts, the Jews, of course, were practicing Sabbath. Jesus, of course, would find himself teaching and observing the Sabbath, but by the time we transition into the book of Acts, now we see the birth of the church, and the, the early church is now having to contend with the time of the end period of the Mosaic system with this new era, this new era that is the Christian dispensation. And so we do see the, 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 the New Testament, um, the, the apostles and so forth, they are going into the, to the temple, they are going on the Sabbath, for example, into the temple, but it's, it's, it's with a different purpose. It's, it's to reason with the Jews who are there as opposed to strictly observing the Sabbath uh, under the Mosaic law or the Mosaic system. So uh, note the pre-resurrection and post-resurrection context, the tension between covenant keepers, uh, not the covenant giver, and also a time of transition. So uh, again, we wanted to recognize as we think about Matthew through Revelation, uh, number one, know the pre-resurrection and the post-resurrection context. Uh, as you think about what's happening with Jesus and this theme we have been looking at of Sabbath, Sabbath pre-resurrection Christ, or even pre, I should even go on to more accurately say, ascension Christ, all right? Not just resurrection, but also pre-ascension and then 
post-resurrection as well as post-ascension and how uh, the scriptures transitions, uh, you know, from one time period or one covenant to the next. Really, the tension between the covenant keepers, I'm, I'm really talking there about the Jews and not necessarily the, the covenant giver. And so a lot of the tension that we find, particularly in the book of Acts and in many of the epistles, it had nothing really to do with, uh, you know, God wrestling with the issue of Sabbath versus no Sabbath, but rather it was the Jews that created a lot of tension that we often find within the confines of the book of Acts. And of course, when Paul and others had to write their various epistles with, um, with a, a particular doctrine, the Judaizing doctrine in view. So I wanted us to note that that was the first thing that we looked at. So when we think about the Old Testament versus the New Testament, particularly when we make our way into the New Testament, please understand and appreciate that even what is coined and associated as New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, that also picks up Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, picks up on the tail end, even Acts, the very first portion of Acts, picks up on the tail end of the Mosaic period and then transitions into the time of what we call the Christian, or commonly referred to as the Christian dispensation. Secondly, there is a clear difference. This was one of the things that we noted on last week. And again, if, if anybody is struggling and had struggled struggle with some of these last week, um, we may not have a bunch of time, but at least if you want to raise your hand and, and share the concern, we could also do that as well. Um, but also we looked at the fact that there is a clear difference in the way the various categories of the New Testament speak in relation to the Sabbath. Uh, that is, the gospel accounts speaks differently of it. Of course, Acts, which is also referred to as the book of history, uh, as, you will, as it would be uh, according to New Testament writings and then later on the epistles. Each one of these categories of writings refers to Sabbath in a very distinct and clear way. It's different. So what, you, what we read in, 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 in the Gospels is going to be different in how the, the writer, that is Luke, references Sabbath. And then later on, of course, in the epistles, the one place that we do find it, uh, the one place that it's explicitly spoken being Sabbath, that even clear, carries a clear message as pertaining to where the Sabbath fits or the view of Sabbath in light of the Christian theology, thinking, and life. So number three, Colossians. The, the one epistle that references Sabbath clearly, or I should even say distinctly, uh, does so in a way or a manner that transitions the believer. And I have in parentheses here, uh, in, in, in brackets here, certainly the Gentile community, right? Uh, and, and we'll talk about that later in just a little bit. But uh, it does so in a way that transitions the believer from being bounded by the Mosaic practice of it. Uh, and, and if you remember, let's get to that text almost immediately. So the one place in the New, in the epistles, <laughs> New Testament, the one place in the epistles that actually reference Sabbath explicitly is found in the book of Colossians chapter number 2, verses 16 and 17. There Paul, after he wraps up several thoughts, uh, he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of holy days, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath day, or days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body, or the real, the firm, is actually of Christ. And so by the time Paul, which is, is, is this is the author that is writing this to uh, the brethren in the area of Colossae, by the time Paul is writing to these brethren in Colossae, he actually references, out of all the the, the, the other places he would write and he would talk uh, in exclusive terms about the law, the law, the law versus faith, 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 faith. Here is the only place that Paul actually references Sabbath. Um, I'm, I'm going to make a point about that hopefully here in a little bit. Uh, but here it is, Paul is making a clear distinction that these things uh, ought not to be things that people judge us by, and I say us, he is really, you know, speaking to the brethren in Colossae, but again, it's, it's all for us as well too, right? So he says, let no man, therefore, since, since we have been bought by Christ, since Christ is the one that we are supposed to be following since faith, uh, and he uses faith there not simply as a belief, but faith there in terms of the system or, or, or the covenant under which we find ourselves as opposed to the law, uh, you know, he says, since that's the case, then let no man judge you 
or don't allow yourself to be judged is another way we might look at that according to meat or drink, respect of holy days, new moon, and even Sabbath, right? And so we did reference the fact that he is bringing everybody together, whether it was Jews or Gentile, because he said some things earlier in chapter number two that could also have alluded to people who were from a Gentile background. Uh, but also within the confines of this verse, we recognize when he brings in verse number 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Obviously, he's coming back now to reference people of a Jewish culture and background. So all of these instances of holy days, new moons, these were also things that, that, that had made its way into the Jewish law, the law of Moses, and they knew very well that some seasons, um, certain holidays, certain feasts, etc., would have re revolved around various moons and, and all these different kind of things. But he said these things were shadows. Uh, and so that brought us to, to look at a couple texts. And so really, I wanted us to, to focus a little bit on last week. If you remember the, the two words highlighted in red, these were, were really key words for us as we think about Paul now transitioning the thought process. And he uses Sabbath. Just, just appreciate this before we get to the next slide. Uh, even though we're talking about Sabbath, really we recognize that Sabbath falls under the purview of uh, people who would be in adherence to the law of Moses. So even though we're only referencing Sabbath, Sabbath doesn't stand alone by itself, but it's one of those things not only did first century Christians struggle with, but I, I believe that there are a number of Christians even in today's society that is struggling with some of these things as well. And so one of the questions that is asked in our current day and time is, is it, is it still important for us to maintain Sabbath? Is the church wrong? for not encouraging its members or, you know, that type of stuff to observe, and, and that's really the term, observe Sabbath as a means of our salvation and duty in Christianity. So I wanted us to look at the word judge. Um, Let no man therefore be a judge over you. Uh, so I, I, again, the, the word itself, if you do a simple, uh, you know, word search and you look at the dictionary, the word itself, it literally means uh, one who stands or sits in the place of a judge. Uh, and so the, the, the idea that goes along with it is don't let anybody be a judge to you. And the implication of it is don't let anybody condemn you for these things. All right? So it's not stated explicitly as condemn. Like, in, for example, when Jesus says, um, uh, 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 don't be too quick to judge. So this is Matthew um, chapter number seven. That's a different connotation. He uses a word that doesn't reflect the, the noun or the person of a judge, but rather someone who is quick to condemn or the act of condemnation. Here, Paul uses the word that is judge to be a judge. But the implication is that as a result of sitting in the seat of a judge, that person doesn't bring you into a place of condemnation, all right? So, so he says, um, number one, don't, don't let anyone therefore judge you. That's number one, but also key word number two, which are a shadow, which are a shadow. Uh, and that brought us into to, to the book of Hebrews. And I want us to... Yeah. Or is he just mentioning, this is, this is the second thing, just unclean items when he gets in, into that section. But the last, the last verse in that thought in 23 is, is a pretty harsh teaching for the entire. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, what, what's, neat about, what's neat about how he, and I don't even want to say he concludes the thought at the end of chapter 2, but, but certainly as, as we think about what he's doing, he, he would later on talk about, you know, don't, don't, don't allow any philosophy or anything that is man-made. And of course he pulls, I, I believe he's pulling and pulling from a lot of Jewish thought and practice. That, that's a given. But the way how he, he, he goes on to conclude chapter number two, it really is, what he, I think what Paul is doing more than, more than anything else is he is saying, listen, we are saved only through Christ. 
and anything else that we deem fit to attach to Christ that we think is going to make us holy or, or, or bring us into a more righteous state with God, anything, it could be from a Jewish culture, it could be from a pagan culture, it could be something that you think is, is, is worth doing or practicing or staying away from. He's, he, I, 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 I want to believe more than anything else, what he's trying to say is anything that we attach and we make as necessary in, in, in connection to our salvation, if it's, if, it's, if it's not just Christ, then, you know, we need to cut it off. And so even for somebody who might say, well, I don't personally want to eat meat because, again, talking about somebody who might be coming from a Jewish background, because it might, you know, I come from a background where I didn't used to eat meat before. That might be fine as long as you understand and appreciate that you not eating a certain type of meat doesn't make you any more holy than somebody who is eating a certain type of meat, right? So, so it's, it's this whole idea of, while, yes, you could be pious, but let your piousness, let your piousness only be at a standard that, be, that is Christ and not anything else or anyone else, any type of philosophy or, or anything that you deem worthy of holiness, all right? So if your holiness isn't truly centered in Christ, then it's, it's not the type of holiness that really brings a person closer to Jesus. Uh, so I, I want to I just come quickly into these two texts and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get, I, I, I have this, um, I have these slides up here. Okay, I, I do have it in there. And I may have mixed it up. But, but I want us to see these, these two supporting texts as we think about the connection between um, shadow in Colossians and later on what we find in, in, in the book of Hebrews with relation to shadow as well. There are two texts in particular uh, I, I want us to look at that's Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, and I do have that on a slide, but I also want us to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, all right? And as we note these two texts, uh, I want us to, to note the connection and the idea of shadow with reference to uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 17. But also, these are, are two other texts I also want us to consider as well that goes along with the thoughts of Hebrews chapter 8 and then later on Hebrews chapter 10, all right? So what we're going to also look at is uh, Acts chapter 15 verses 1 through 5 and also Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. And I, I want you to pay close attention at, at what's being mentioned and noted in these texts as well. Do we have a reader for Hebrews chapter 8 verses 1 through 7? Let's all, let's all turn there. So Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. All right, beautiful. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. second for the second right and so uh, as briefly as I can but 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 given at least a, a solid enough context to what 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 the writer is doing at least by the time he gets to chapter number eight as I said last week the whole premise that the the writer of Hebrews is doing from the beginning of of of, of, of chapter one is he is setting the tone and build, and building the argument that everything about the new covenant is better to everything that we had in the old covenant. 
And so he talks about the fact that, you know, Christ is, is a better mediator, that, uh, you know, he is, he is better than the angels. And, and he, he goes through all of these different things. And by the time he gets to chapter number eight, he starts talking and shedding light on the priestly system and this system that they had of offering various sacrifices, all right? And by the time we get to chapter, chapter 10, he just builds the thought until we get to chapter 10. Uh, and, and so he talks about the fact that this was actually a shadow. And, and so that's the first reference in the book of, well, not really the first, but uh, within the confines of these two texts, uh, that's the reference that we have to shadow outside of the book of, of Colossians, all right? And so he connects these, these thoughts of being a shadow. He connects these thoughts not only to Sabbath, but he notice what he's doing. He's connecting all of this within the confines of the framework of the first covenant or the, the, the covenant that fell or is commonly referred to as the law of Moses, all right? And so I want us to, to take particular note and, and attention to that. And that brings us into chapter number 10. And chapter number 10, uh, if, if you would just turn your, your, your Bibles a couple pages, just go to chapter number 10. And I want us to read verses 1 through 4. If you have that reading, please feel free to go ahead and, and take that for us. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, mm -hmm. not the reality itself. For this reason, it can never be by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year makes perfect those who draw near worship. Otherwise, would they, have, would they not have stopped being offered? Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, he, he, you know, the, the law was a shadow of things to come. And so again, I want us to appreciate that even though he doesn't say Sabbath here, understand and appreciate that, that Sabbath fell under the purview of what would have been the, the law. Uh, it, 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 was, it was part and parcel of the law. Uh, and that becomes important because when we get into to a couple of the texts that we're going to look at, uh, here within the book of Acts chapter number 15, and then later we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of canvassing these really quickly so that we could make a solid connection as it means to Sabbath and law. Because a lot of times, sometimes the struggle that we have is we, we, we tend to, to look and we have, we have tended to allow people to make us believe that Sabbath was something separate and apart from the law. That we don't have to keep law today because of Christ, but we still have to keep Sabbath. And, and I, I, you know, that's, that's simply not the case as we take a close look at Scripture. But I am saying that Sabbath, to some extent, is, is invaluable and important to the Christian thought and theology and practice today. So I want us to look at Acts chapter number 15. I want us to look at Acts chapter number 15. I do have it up on the screen here. Uh, and we're going to read from verse number one, and we're going to come down to verse number five. And I want us to note some things, all right? Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved, all right? So when you think about Acts chapter number 15, recognize that what's going on is the gospel is already being preached, Christ is already being preached, multitudes are, are, have already accepted and the church is spreading and it's growing like wildfire. But then we, by the time we, we, we get to chapter number 15, we're going to encounter, and it's not that the tension wasn't there before, but we, we, are, we are made aware of it in clear terms by the time Luke puts his pen and gets to chapter number 15. So notice in, in verse number one, all he says is some men, right? So he says, some men, some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to what? The custom of Moses. Some translations will simply say according to Moses' law or Moses' tradition, right? It's, it's really, it, it really is a direct reference to the, to the law of Moses. So, so the reason why I say that is because depending on the translation, I've, I've, I've even come across certain commentators that have said, well, it's not speaking there explicitly about the law of Moses in as much as it's talking about maybe some tradition that, that, that the Jews, Jews had had and they had adopted. No, no, no. When he's, when he's referencing here custom of Moses, he's actually referencing the law of Moses. All right? I want us to keep that in mind. But the issue was that they were teaching that they had to be circumcised according to said traditions, according to said law, uh, so that they could be saved, right? So watch this. 
Verse number two, and when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Verse three, therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. Verse number four, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Verse number five. I want you to notice this. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed. That's important. Because what, what Luke is really referencing here is not that these people were, were, were in the strictest term, Pharisees, but he was saying they, they came from the sect of Pharisees, but they were also themselves believers, all right? They, they had accepted the gospel uh, that was spoken and preached them, but they came out of uh, far, the, the, the sect of the Pharisees. So notice that he says, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary, watch the wording, to circumcise who? Them. Who is the them? The Gentiles. So again, the, the contention that, that we find in, in, the, in the book of Acts is not only the Jews accepting the gospel for what it is, but how they would frame it in light of also people who were coming from a Gentile background. So the Jews coming out of the old ways of under the law of Moses, they had their customs. And now these Gentiles coming out from, from their reality, coming out from their religion, the Gentiles are now accepting Christ. And the Jews, many of the Jews were having some problems because now they are, they are teaching and they are believing that in order for these Gentiles to truly be saved, watch it now, in order for these Gentiles to truly be saved, it's good for them to accept Jesus, but really in order for them to really have salvation, they must be circumcised. Where did circumcision come from? Where was circumcision found? Abraham. But it made its way where? Into the law of Moses. Well, he did have this um, peculiar encounter on his way into mm -hmm. to, uh, rescue the, the children of Israel in God's instead. Yeah. He had a lack of circumcision. Yeah. So these guys were probably remembering something like they were important to God. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But the point I'm trying to drive home is this became an explicit law. When God made that covenant, he made that covenant with Abraham. But then later on, he would make this explicit law with Moses. Right? And so the point I'm trying to drive home is these all fell under the Mosaic law in collaboration with things like Sabbath, and maintaining certain feast days, etc., etc. right? Watch this. So he said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to do what? Observe the law of Moses. What does he mean when he says observe? Or what do they, you think they mean when they say observe the law of Moses? Respect it. Follow it. Maintain it, all right? So in addition to having Christ as Lord and Savior, the only, this is what they were teaching. Don't, don't go away thinking this is what I'm saying. What they were saying is in addition to accepting Jesus Christ as their, their personal Lord and Savior, the only way to truly have their soul saved was, again, to be circumcised and also to continue observing the various aspects of the law of Moses. That brings us now to this text, chapter 3. And here, here is where hopefully all of this is going to come together. Uh, and, and hopefully, if, if I lost anybody, this is going to bring it all together here. But, but come with me into the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we'll take the reading from verse number 1. And we'll terminate at verse number 10. But really, I want us to be careful in observing verse number 10. So 10 is going to be somewhat of our focal verse in all of this. Do I have a reader from verse number one? Galatians chapter three. O foolish Galatians, who has cast, who has cast you into hell 
made as clear to you as if you had seen a preacher of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Mm -hmm. Of course not. You, you received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Mm -hmm. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? Mm -hmm. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Hold up there just for a second. I want you to take your time and go back to verse number two. Read again verse number two and end at verse number three, and then I'll bring you back to verse number six. So go ahead and read again. And I just want you guys to, to just listen in on this uh, and see if you could bring to remembrance uh, some of the texts and some of the reading we would have just done not but a few minutes ago. Verse number two and verse number three. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Right? Law of Moses. In, in other words... Was it the law of Moses that afforded you the opportunity to be a recipient of the Holy Ghost? Continue. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So you, you, you received the Spirit because you accepted and you received and you believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? So in Christ alone. <laughs> that, that's really what he's saying. Go on. Uh, how foolish can you be? How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit. Listen, listen to this. After starting, to your, your, starting your new lives in the Spirit. Why are you now trying to become perfect by what? Your own human effort. By your own human effort. So Paul equates human effort with trying to receive salvation by means of adhering to the law. Let me repeat that one more time. Paul equates human effort by trying to pursue the spirit and salvation by means of continuing to observe the law of Moses. You guys seeing that? Jump down to verse number six and finish the reading for us. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Mm -hmm. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Beautiful. Go ahead. Mm. Go ahead. God proclaimed his good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed that's, through you. That's right. So all who put their faith in Christ get the same blessing Abraham received mm -hmm. because of his faith. Read verse. Come on. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under curse. Mm -hmm. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book. So, so look at verse 10 really carefully because, because really the point that I'm, I'm trying to drive home is, is, is this, right? As you think about what's, what's happening in verse number 10, just read verse 10 one more time if you don't mind. Everybody look, look back at verse number 10. What does verse 10 say? But those who depend on the law, those who depend on the law to, make them right with God, to make them right with God are under his curse. Under his curse. Scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe, watch this, and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. You get that? So, so in trying to maintain part of it in the hopes that that's what's going to bring you your soul salvation, that is contrary. What Paul is saying is, and remember Paul is coming from a pharisaical um, background himself. What Paul is saying, you can't try to maintain part even if you're trying to follow the law. Because the only true way to follow law, if you are using law as a standard, is not to take part of it, is to take all of it. So if you're trying to maintain your, your, your salvation or you're trying to achieve salvation or righteousness based on the law, then it's not just the Sabbath you need to worry about. It's all the different sacrifices. It's maintaining all the different holy days. It's all these other different aspects that make the law the law. You had to make sure if you think and you believe that the law of Moses is what's going to keep you and, and bring you into relationship with God, 
You can't separate the laws. You have to receive and do and observe all of it, right? So watch this. The Sabbath was part of the covenant God made with the law of Moses and is not binding on Christians as a means of salvation. Saw your hand. All right, all right. But I'm saying, however, so in as much as the Sabbath being a part of the covenant God made with Israel under the law of Moses is not binding to Christians today, I still do have, and I believe the Bible still teaches a however. Because if, it, if everything under the law, including Sabbath, was a shadow of things to come, then there is something about Sabbath, and there is something about all the different items under the law that was meant to teach us about something that was coming in Christ, right? So here's what I want to do, and I know we have, we, we, we have to end because the bell is going to ring in about four minutes. Uh, go ahead and take a picture of this is if, 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 you, if you need to, but we'll definitely, oh, I say definitely. Next week we're supposed to have a, 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 a table discussion talk, so I don't know if we'll be able to do this next week. But, but, but let, me, let me just share these, these, these things that I believe Sabbath um, meant for them and, and how this relates to us in Christianity today. When you think of Sabbath, this is, this is what took place on Sabbath. Number one, there was a ceasing from labor and anything that was self-seeking or self-serving. So, so you had six days to labor for yourself. You had six days to do all you needed to do. You had six days uh, to carry on your life. You had six days to take care of yourself. You had six days to go to work. You had six days to do all this stuff. Sabbath represented an entire day. Listen to me and listen to me well. An entire day that was supposed to be fully devoted to God to where you were supposed to stop from seeking after the things of self to seek God. So when you think about Sabbath, I don't even have time. When you think about, when you, when you think about Sabbath, it was a means of slowing us down and getting us to a place of stop seeking self and put our uh, dependence on Jehovah God. But in, in collaboration with that, I also want us to appreciate that as you approach the Sabbath, there was meant to be an intentionality when it came to preparation. One didn't just stumble into Sabbath. You had to prepare the day before for Sabbath the next day. I want to preach right there. I want to preach right there, Corey. But, but, but you, you, you didn't just stumble into Sabbath. You had a day of preparation. Let me, let me put it in, 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 in terms for us today. I'm not saying Sunday morning is Sabbath, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to use Sunday, right? But, but you didn't just stumble into Sunday. The day before Saturday, you, you were preparing yourself to come and devote yourself and worship to God the next day, all right? There was an intentionality in terms of the preparation. There was an intentionality of how you approach Sabbath. Sabbath was meant for you to stop from seeking self, and any type of personal ambition and allow yourself to rest and depend on Jehovah God. Secondly, it was a time to shift from work and meant to transition one into a space and a, and a, and a mindset of worship. I, 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 I want to go one step further and even say it was a matter of shifting from the labor of work and going into the labor of worship. So it's not that on Sabbath you did nothing. But Sabbath for, for, the, for the average Jew was a time of worship. I, I, I bet you every single person that was in temple was working. The priests and the Levites and those who had to make sure that the candles didn't go out and, uh, and the incense was still burning. There was a lot of work still going on, but God didn't consider that work. You know what God called work? Everything else that was self-seeking and self-serving. But everything that was taking place in the temple, God didn't call that work. He called that worship. So when you think about Sabbath, this is what was happening to Sabbath. Sabbath was meant as a day to put full devotion, full devotion towards God the entire day. The entire day. Not, not part of the day. Not two hours and three hours. No, no, no. The entire day. I don't know if we get that yet. The entire day. Robert, the entire day. Some of us, we, we can't sit down for three hours, the, the, the entire day. 
Some of us, we can't go past two hours. The entire, the entire day was devoted. What are you saying, Brother Morgan? We could learn something from Sabbath, even though it's not meant for us to follow as far as the law of Moses, but it was a shadow. What was Sabbath supposed to teach them that we could recognize as the real in Christ? So it was a time, I'm sorry to preach it, but I had to move fast. I have to move fast. It was a time to shift from work, and it was a full-on time of worship. It was a time, church, of thanksgiving to God. I know what you would say, well, and I know how we say it now. We, we say it, you hear people say it all the time, well, every day is worship. That's true. <laughs> every day is worship to God. We need to be worshiping God every day. That's, that's true, but you do recognize in all of Scripture, Old and New Testament, God orchestrated some specific times for some specific gatherings, right? And it doesn't matter how you try to word it or weasel out of it, there, there, there is just a time for the people of God to come together. Forgive me for saying it this way, Sister Donna. I don't care what you say. <laughs> but there's a reason why God put it and designated a certain day and a certain time for the people of God to come together a certain way. All right? And finally, finally, not only is it a time for us to cease from labor, not only is it a time to shift from work to worship, but it's a time of rest. It's a time of rest. It's a time when they come to slow down and to reconnect, to renew, to refresh and refocus. So when we think about what we're able to learn from Sabbath and what Sabbath is able to teach us, while, while we aren't, while we, 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 we don't have the, 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 the requirement of maintaining from a law perspective the Sabbath, I need for us to appreciate that Sabbath taught them something and it certainly, I'm hoping, teaches us something. When we devote a day to God or a time to God, that's, that's us ceasing from our labor and learning to depend on God. Uh, when we shift from our work and we enter into a space or an environment of worship, that's us. We need to be giving God total attention and not worrying about the fact that lunch is coming up, coming up at 12 or at 1. We, it's a time of thanksgiving where we come to say thank you to God. And I know we could do it Monday. I know we could do it Tuesday. I know we could do it Wednesday. I know we could do it... But when we gather together, that's a time to say thank you to God. And also, it's a time, church, of rest. It's a time where we are able to slow down, reconnect with God, renew, refresh our spirit, and refocus our minds. Because after Sabbath becomes the first day of the week. And the first day of the week to the Jew was representative of a time of going back into the world and a time of labor. So, spending time in Sabbath was a time of renewal and a time of refreshing. So when I think about, I just put this in here to remind me that right after our class on tonight, we have a baptism that's going on upstairs. But let me, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just get at it this way. When I think about Sabbath, I want us to appreciate that Sabbath is, in fact, something that's biblical. Uh, but from a biblical perspective, the Sabbath found itself under the purview of the law of Moses. From a New Testament perspective, Sabbath represents something different than it did under the law of Moses. Under the law of Moses, it was a requirement. Under the New Testament Christianity, it, it really is something that is meant to enhance our relationship with God and our connection to our fellow brethren. It's supposed to enhance the fact that we call ourselves Christian and how we engage with our Christianity and how we engage with time with God. Again, we ought not to just stumble into time with God. We ought to be intentional with our time with God. All right? And so don't, don't let it be that just because you're stuck in traffic, well, all of a sudden you tell yourself, and it could very well be, well, God is slowing me down so I could say a prayer. No, be intentional about setting aside some time in the day to actually pray to God and don't wait for God to put you on your bed, on your back, for you to say, well, now I can open up my eyes to God. No, no, no. Be intentional about lifting our eyes to God. So I believe Sabbath is still important, but just not from the perspective of the law, but I believe it's meant to, to take us deeper in relationship with God. Is, is that all right? Is that all right? I know we'll have some questions, and I, I pray hope and trust if you do. Uh, we won't have time to deal with now, but you could probably meet me. Not now, because I'm going upstairs too. Uh, you could meet me after class sometime or even during the week or whatever. Uh, I've, I've also had reports from individuals that for some reason they've tried to email me, and it comes back as, as, as cyclical, or it just comes back or whatever. I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, that's something I've experienced in the past as well, even with some of my fellow co-laborers co at, the, at the office here. 
Um, and so I'm trying to work on that, and I'll, I'll probably get a new email out soon if that one doesn't continue to work. But feel free to message me. You have my number. Does everyone have my number? 501-388-5652. That number one more time is 501-388-5652. Guys, could we stand as together we say a prayer? Following, following this prayer, following this prayer, I want to encourage everybody to make their way upstairs for, for this baptism. Father God, we give you thanks and praise for your goodness and for your grace. We honor you. We glorify your name. We thank you for this time that we've had. We, we pray that everything that was done and said would have brought us that much more closer in understanding some of the principles and the precepts that we find in Scripture. God, we know that we have a long way to go in understanding in depth uh, what your will is for us, but at the very core of it, we know that your will is to prosper us. We know that we have a mission to spread the gospel, and you have given us a promise of eternal life. So help us to walk in promise. Help us to walk in purpose. And Father, help us to live out every day as if we do serve a living and a risen Savior. We honor you, especially as we think about the soul that is about to give their life to you. We praise your mighty name for the gospel that, that was and is preached, Father. Help us to continue doing so to our lost and dying world, Father. Be with us as we go through the rest of this night. Take us to our homes and our destinations safely until we could come again and have wonderful fellowship and worship together in spirit and in truth. For this is our prayer, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. I'm telling you, we'll talk after, bro. It's one of the Hispanic young ladies, I think. Bro, go ahead. Did you, did you get it? Almost, I think. <laughs> Five zero one three eight eight five six five six one five two. Okay. I'll text you my name. All right. Cool, bro. <laughs> bro, have you guys enjoyed being at Antioch? Yeah, it's been great. If anybody gives you trouble, let me know. Okay. Sounds <laughs> good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, yeah. How you doing? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm good. He did? He's going to have to meet me upstairs. <laughs> oh no! So, so I need to take. I need, what I what I need to do is I need, no no no. But 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 I what I probably need to do is I need to teach him law principle. That's that's probably what I need to do. I need to tell him bring his. I need to tell him bring his tie. That was that's what I need to do. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Guys, I'm going to run upstairs. Hey, Ronnie, I'll see you, bro. Thank you, Tim. She's doing something special with her. Thank you. Hey, guys.
Hey, hey. What's up, buddy? He looks like Chloe. Is this Chloe's? No, this is um, Gentry's. Okay, okay. Wow. Yep, yep. To go on his face. What's up, buddy? What's up, bro? Are you gonna try to make it to the men's retreat if you guys are around? So I have. I'm. I'm be there for part of it. Okay. I have a work event Saturday afternoon at four. Okay. So my plan is to be there Saturday morning and then up until. You sure, bro? That, is it? I think it's, it's like an a, hour. An hour away, hour and a half. Like a hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ezel girl, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, bro. Where's my baby? Nah, them, you know them kids, them kids, yeah, they're doing their own thing. Most likely. Oh no. Okay. Okay. So I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know what the schedule was before I signed up. Okay. So okay. That's the plan to be the for at least part of it. But uh, we'll, we'll see. All right. All right. You'll enjoy it, bro. Hopefully, hopefully you're, you're there long enough to shoot some guns with us. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, Jess. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to make it out. Yeah, no bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say I enjoyed tonight. I didn't Bro. Yeah, I never, honestly, I never really thought about the Sabbath like that. I think my, my personal kind of how I took this day, we don't necessarily need Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But but that's really interesting. Yeah, but ev everything about the law, if, and I mean that that's one of the things I want to do, either later this year or early next year, is go through the items of the so like the tithe. Mm. What what was the tithe meant to teach the people of God? Not just not just the Israelites but the people of God with regard and respect to giving or giving back to God, right? Because if, even the concept that we find in, in, the, first, in, the, new, in the new, well, first century with, with Christians, we see giving and, and Paul references giving a whole lot sometimes, right? Especially when he's writing to the Corinthian brethren, um, but he pulls, not necessarily from the law, but he uses the law as a standard. You know, so what is it about the tithe? What is it about sacrifice in the law? And of course, we have the, par the parallel when we think about the the um, the the the, the, um, the sacrificing of the bulls and the goats and all that kind of stuff. You know, there, there's a parallelism between what Christ did and what that did. But then Paul Paul himself in, in Romans chapter 12 he says, um, "Present your bodies a living sacrifice." What was sacrifice meant? To, to teach the people of God even, even today. So almost every aspect of the law from, 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 bro, from the civil laws to the ceremonial laws, all of these are heightened to some extent in, in terms of the principles in the New Testament. So, so when Jesus comes on the scene, for example, in his Sermon on the Mount, he goes through a bunch of those in chapter five. He said, you've heard it said of men of old, um, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay. But he said, but I say unto you, if a man so much as look upon a woman to lust after her in his heart, he had already committed adultery, right? So it's like the law acted as just, I would, would estimate as a bare minimum of the way a person who is a believer in Yahweh should operate. But then when Jesus comes on the scene and when Paul and others are teaching, they're like, no, we need to exceed that. But it's not a matter of doing it so that we could be righteous. It's flip. Because we are righteous, this is what we reflect. Yeah. 
All right, bud. Hey. Good night, guys. Don't go anywhere yet. Don't go anywhere yet. Lights, you coming in, bro? You guys want to get, everybody want to come a little closer? Thank you. Yes, sir, you're good. <laughs> Yes, sir. Father, we thank you so much. You've been great. You've been awesome. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to die on Calvary's cross. It's only through him we have life, forgiveness of sins, and the hope of heaven. Father, we rejoice right now with, with the angels in heaven for one soul that has answered the call of the gospel. Tonight we have a new member of the family and our next person to love on. We pray that you would bless Edeza in her new walk. And you would help us to walk alongside her in every step of the way. Strengthen her. Guide her. Bless her. And keep her, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was saying whatever I was saying. Good job. You doing all right? Yeah. Good, good. Hey, guys. What? What? Don't interview with Mark McGuire talking about it. We'll look at the rules, so we'll play. Come on, dude. What's up, bro? I'm good, dude. I'm good. I've seen some of those old interviews with bodybuilders from the 70s and 80s, and they're like, yeah, like. Everyone was doing it. That's just what we did, you know? Yes. Yes. I knew we had something going on. Listen, she makes she schedules everything for me on the weekends because by Friday I'm toast. Listen, but I'm 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 this weekend, like I said, all I knew is I was up to I was doing something on Saturday because somebody tried to pull me into something earlier in the week and I was like, no, I know for a fact. We have something going on on Saturday, so I can't make it. So I, I, it's that. All right, well, I didn't make sure yet, but I wanted, like, the, the kids will be playing like, in the creek. Okay. Because, like, so okay. Just, like, bring a change Listen, we, I, I just need a change of pace. You may, you may want to play in the creek. It'll be I, so hot. I need a change of pace for sure. Don't forget waterproof shoes. Okay, I will. I'll walk with my shoes. We have water shoes. I'll walk with it. I've got a co-worker. Did you just... I'm on to you, bro. I'm on to you. Dude! I need to see you in the gym sometime. Yeah. I, uh... My legs, bro. I went straight... My first day back, straight legs, bro. You are crazy. I was like, I'm gonna do it. Mm-mm. But, You're uh, a madman. Where's my? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to give her a boot. She got your ticket. Hey, oh, Makaya, answer yourself. I know you. 
I'm doing well, so doing well. Good, good. Are you still yes, alive? Yes, ma'am. Hmm? Oh, snap! 